Love him together. We're praising the great eternal God, the one true, wise, and only God, the God of gods, the King of kings, the Lord of lords. Jesus is his name. His name is above every name. Oh, thank you, Jesus, for this beautiful truth, this great message from heaven. Thank you, dear Lord, my Savior, my God, and my King. I bless your name, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. If you have a Bible tonight, we're going to take a look at God's Word. I'm very happy to be in God's house and be here not only with you, but with the Lord. Because, you know, if He's not here, there's no sense coming. But He's here, and just as He promised in His Word that He would be here. And I appreciate our good God. And I love Him. I want to take a look at the book tonight, chapter and verse of God's holy word. Everybody said praise the Lord. Everybody said hallelujah. I'm going to read something from Proverbs, and then we'll go to the New Testament. Proverbs chapter 14. Right, we're in Proverbs chapter 14. It begins with verse 1. Every wise woman buildeth her house, but the foolish plucketh it down with her hands. He that walketh in his uprightness feareth the Lord, but he that is perverse in his ways despiseth him. Verse 3. In the mouth of the foolish is a rod of pride, but the lips of the wise shall preserve them. And everybody said amen. And everybody said hallelujah. All right. Let me give you a verse also from the book of Psalms. While we're there, you just flip back a little bit. Psalm 61. And I... I want to read one verse, but I want to read it all, too, because it's all so good. <laughs> Sometimes it's just hard to pluck one out, you know. So let's read it. It's not a real long. It's just uh, eight 
verses here of Psalm 61. Hear my cry, O God, attend unto my prayer. From the end of the earth will I cry unto thee when my heart is overwhelmed. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. For thou hast been a shelter for me and a strong tower from the enemy. I will abide in thy tabernacle forever. I will trust in the covert of thy wings. For thou, O God, hast heard my vows. Thou hast given me the heritage of those that fear thy name. Now, I'm not going to preach there tonight, but you might want to savor that a little bit. He said, Thou hast given me the heritage of those that fear thy name. What a goodly heritage we have. Thou wilt prolong the king's life and his years as many generations. Verse 7, He shall abide before God forever. O prepare mercy and truth, which may preserve him. Everybody said preserve. That's P-R-E-S-E-R-V-E, preserve him. So will I sing praise unto thy name forever, that I may daily perform my vows. And everybody said hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want to simply preach tonight on preserve the truth. You may be seated. The Lord bless you. I think that most everybody, at least if they have a right mind, have a mind at all sometimes I might say, but a right mind would agree that no greater burden has ever been established or displayed, demonstrated than the burden that Jesus Christ in the days of his flesh declared and showed. He did come, set aside everything that was royal, and came in the flesh. If anybody denies that, then they're not of the Spirit, the Scripture teaches. When you believe that Jesus Christ came in the flesh, that is a very strong characteristic and fruit that you believe this truth and this message. And that when He came in the flesh, when God was manifest in the flesh, 1 Timothy 3.16, John 1 and 1 and 1 and 14, that God, that is the Word that was God, was made flesh. And so for you and I to believe this book and to realize that He came And he came because he so loved this world, John 3, 16. The Spirit so loved the world that he gave his only begotten flesh that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. So Spirit came in flesh, invisible came visibly, and walked among humankind. Where did that flesh come from? It did not come from heaven, no flesh in heaven, but that flesh came from the spoken word, the same place heaven and earth came from. The same place, the flowers, the trees, and the beasts of the field, the fowl of the air, and the great fish of the sea. They all came from the spoken word of Almighty God. And so the Scripture teaches very plainly that He spoke the word, and that which was conceived in Mary was of His Holy Spirit. There's only one Spirit of truth, and it's a Holy Spirit. And that's the thing you want to make a differentiation about because you don't want just any spirit in your life. You want the spirit of truth. You want the Holy Spirit or the Holy Ghost. You want this great gift of God's Spirit in you. And while He gives it to us by measure, you want to have it filling you up, filling up your life, filling up your heart. And everybody said amen. And so He spoke the word. That which was conceived in Mary was of His Holy Spirit. She brought forth the flesh. She brought forth the babe. She wrapped that child in her swaddling clothes. And she presented him at the appointed time to a man named Simeon who took that child up in his arms and said, Lord, now I've seen your salvation and you can take me out of here anytime you want because I'm a very satisfied man right now. I have seen, I have held, I have embraced your truth, your salvation, the Christ child. Many eyes wanted to see that and didn't see it. Foretold of it, but didn't see it. Many wanted to hold it 
and couldn't hold it, but they embraced it in their dreams and in their mind and in the scriptures and in their prayer life. But this man who was in the church house, this man who made it his business to build his life around the church, you don't build the church around your life, you give your life to the church, and that's how you get things going in the right direction. This man, being constantly in the church house, didn't miss anything. As one writer said later, he wasn't a wit behind the chieftain. You stay with the church. You stay with the truth. You stay with the message. And you're not going to be behind on anything that's important. It just depends on what your perception is of what's important. And I'm telling you, it's the spiritual things that are important. It's the things of God that are important. It's the truth that's important. It's winning souls and going to heaven that's important. Amen. Amen. Everybody said praise the Lord. Well, I sure do feel it good to be here. Luke 17 and 33, whosoever shall seek. What are we seeking? Whosoever shall seek to save his life shall lose it. And whosoever shall lose his life shall preserve it. This is all going to start with you getting the truth. Not just general scriptures. Not scriptures taken out of context. Not scriptures twisted and rested that the Bible said would be to your own damnation. And that people would follow people that do that. Blind leading blind. They'd both fall into the ditch. And that there would be called pernicious ways or injurious and harmful ways that people would follow. But there's going to be a church. Jesus gave birth to a church. There were people that listened to his words, people that recognized his burden, that he so loved this world, that he set everything else aside. Maybe he took a little time off from making constellations and deep space. Maybe he took a little time off from hanging a few more stars somewhere. After all, the Bible did use in plural the word worlds were framed. So I'm not going to tell you what's not in the book. I'm going to stay with the book. But I'm going to tell you that our God absolutely decided that there was a job that needed to be done on this planet Earth. And he said, I'm setting some things aside and I'm rolling up my sleeves and I'm going down there and I'm going to manifest a burden for those lost people in that world. There's a harvest to be reaped and I'm going to raise up a church. I'm going to birth a church that will reap my harvest. Yes, sir. Amen. You're talking about a burden. Jesus did have some things to say to the denominations of his day. Many times he displayed God in the flesh. That in that flesh dwell the fullness of the very God bodily, Colossians 2 and 9. And it pleased the Spirit to dwell in that body to the fullness. And in so doing, he displayed a love and a burden. A woman is brought to him. One of many examples, woman brought caught in the very act of sin drug and thrown at his feet and people standing there with their arms crossed pointing the finger accusing all they wanted to do was try to undermine the truth of what Jesus had brought to the earth and they were trying some way to show him up some way to make him look bad some way to undermine what was taking place and they said and they even wanted to twist the scriptures because they didn't know the time in which they were living and as he said in another place if you knew who you were talking to you'd ask me you wouldn't come in here trying to accuse me or undermine me or twist things and rest things to keep your own way and your own life oh no you'd be saying help me talk to me preach to me tell me Jesus looked at this woman and then he looked at them and he said I'll tell you what he that's without sin let him cast the first stone he that among you is without sin let him cast the first stone and Jesus went about doing something else ignoring them letting them puzzle over that letting them chew on that a while let them roll that one around a little while in their mind and pretty soon he looks up and there's nobody there he looks at the woman and says woman where are those thine accusers and she says nobody here but me and thee Lord 
And you might remember, bottom line, that's exactly how it's going to be. It's going to be you and him. And that day, it'll be you and him. And so Jesus said, I don't accuse you. You know, I really, really get tired of people who have let down and backed up and gotten weak as water and have lost their burden for this truth and the harvest. And all they want to do is somehow try to act like the church is hard. The church is harsh. The church is against everybody. You're hypercritical. And you got a big chip on your shoulder. And on and on and on it goes. You've got to love everybody. Who ever said that we didn't love everybody? See, we are born of him who so loved this world that he provided a fleshly sacrifice to give it all on the cross. I want you to know we're not accusing anybody. We didn't come to condemn anybody. We are exceedingly thankful and appreciative that we have the truth of God's word. And we have the spirit of truth. And we know and we teach what manner of spirit we are of. We are not in the finger pointing business. We are not in the accusatory. That's the enemy. He's the accuser. We're not accusing. We're simply appreciative. We're simply thankful. Whatever happened to that attitude of people who, who met the preacher and the person that knocked on the door and taught them Bible study and got them to come to church and they got baptized in Jesus' name and received the Holy Ghost and begin to say thank you. Thank you for bringing me the truth. Thank you for sharing with me the truth of his name. Thank you that I am now baptized in that name of Jesus Christ above every name. And my sins are fully forgiven. And that load of guilt and weight of sin is out of my heart and life. My conscience has no more conscience of sin. I'm not conscious of that anymore. I've been forgiven. I've been washed in the blood. I'm filled with the Holy Ghost. I'm born again. i got a brand new lease on life. I've got purpose. I've got a future and I want to win somebody. I want to tell somebody. I'm not here to point my finger. I'm not here to accuse anybody. I'm not here to be intolerant. But I am here to preserve the truth for each and every generation. If Jesus isn't here, we're wasting our time. If you don't have the truth, you're wasting your time. Jesus the one with the greatest burden. He said, for in vain do they worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. We have a commandment. We have a charge. We have a commission to go and preach the gospel, the everlasting gospel that Paul said, if anybody preach any other thing unto you, let them be accursed. And he said it twice. He put the nail through the board and bent it on the other side. He didn't want that coming out of your heart. He wants you to be convinced. He wants you to embrace. He wants you to be fully persuaded that there are the words that come from the throne of God that he brought to earth himself and that he shared with men and women, boys and girls, to save them. Regardless of their sin, regardless of their carnal lifestyle, he came to save them. And he said, you, you go trying to save your own life. You trust and continue to trust in the things of this world. Or you go back like the dog to its vomit. And the sow that was washed to its wallowing in the mire. And he said, he's teaching then you're going to lose your life. You're going to lose it. And having found it, you sure don't want to lose it again. Because the last state of that individual is worse than at the first one that came. No, you want to, you don't, we don't want to wind up the full soul. And we, our life is so full of the world. Our, our baggage is so tall that we can no longer get through the gate. That there's so much 
stuff of this world, the spirit of this world, the attitude of this world, the cares and the concerns of this world that say this is important and this is important and then it gets so many things that seemingly are important and people buy that bag of rubbish to where the truth no longer is important. Now it becomes a backup. Now it becomes a letdown. Now it becomes, oh, everybody, we just love everybody. No, you really don't because if you love everybody, you want everybody to be saved and knowing what the truth is and having the key of knowledge you've got to share it you've got to get out of the harvest and reap it you've got to get out of the marketplace standing idle and talking about things that have an absence of God you want God in your thoughts you want God in your prayer you want God in your worship you want God in your heart you want God in your speech you want God burning in you motivating you I want to win the loss I want to reap the harvest. And you can't do that without the truth. Somebody said, we've got to keep the main thing, the main thing. First, you've got to find out what the main thing is. And you've got to buy it with faith. With faith. It's amazing because there's a lot of people, unfortunately, there is a number of people that are more interested in portfolios and bank accounts and possessions when Jesus said, beware that your life does not consist of the abundance of the things that you possess. There's only really one possession. Am I glad that God trusts us with things? Yes, when we use those things for the furtherance of his kingdom, to reap the harvest. I've said it and said it for years. You, I hope God blesses every one of you with a limo, but don't get in it and drive off waving goodbye to the church and going back to the world. No, you take your limo and go pick up some kids. Go pick up some people and use it for what God trusted that limo to you for. It's to win the loss. It's to save soul. It's to further the kingdom of God. It's to have a burden. Getting under the load. Don't drive around in the marketplace. Put yourself out there in the field of labor. That's why it's important for you to come to church. That's a part of it. Gathering together. That's what manner of spirit we are of. We're not forsaking. We don't want less church. We want more church. We want to gather together. We want the fellowship of the saints. We want that blood-washed fellowship. We want to walk in the light as he's in the light. We want to praise and magnify and worship him. We're not going to, by the grace of God, allow this to become old and ho-hum and some kind of second-rate thing. This is not going to be something in your life that you're going to take for granted. This is going to be something that you will value and appreciate to the point that you preserve it. That means you protect it. That means that you're going to keep it from any kind of decay or corruption. You're, you're going to have, you have a charge. We are called as the body of Christ. We are called the salt. And that we are to have salt in ourselves. Salt is a preservative. You and I are called. The body of Christ universally is called to be a preservative. Not of a foodstuff. Not of some antique automobile and become a collector of rare artifacts. Oh no, much higher than that because I don't care what they do. Eventually that thing's going to rot and fall apart. Eventually these things are not going to test and the test of time that's before them. But you've got something that will stand for all of eternity and you are called, you are charged, you are commissioned, you are commanded to preserve the truth. Preserve the message. Keep it from being altered. You've got to keep it unaltered. His counsel is immutable. It's to be unalterable. You're to preserve it. You're to keep it. You're to protect it. You're to keep it from being altered in any way. One of the preservatives, of course, is salt. And that's what we are. We're the salt. And we've got to make sure that we continue. I heard one guy Thought he was Mr. Smart Alec. Thought he was so smart because he'd been on the Harvard Law Review and all kinds of different things. And he trusted that pride that the Proverbs talked about. He trusted in his own ways and his own things and, and the worldly secular education and outlooks and perceptions and the rudiments of this world. And he, in so doing, he disdained the rudiments or the fundamentals 
of the principles of Jesus Christ. And he was going on about the chemical formula for salt. And he was poking and making fun at the Word of God. And he said, he said, well, if salt's not salt, what is it? And uh, I wanted to, <laughs> a time or two, I did pick up the phone and call him on his little radio show. I said, radio show. And uh, I called him, and I, I tried to show him a few pointers. And each time I did it, I was able to just do it nicely with the right spirit, the right attitude, just leave it with him, and I'd get off the phone. And every time I did that, he, he seemed to have a, a pretty decent comment to make about it. He didn't rail about what was said because, you know, truth has a way of calming down spirits and shutting mouths of the lions. Truth has a good Jerusalem ring to it. Truth, no matter how spirits want to twist and rest it through people and through inventions and through philosophies, that the truth when you shake it all down and the dust settles, the truth is going to be right there. And it's going to be just as real and just as right every day of the week, every week of the year and every year in and in and year in and year out. And it's going to be century in and century out and millennium after millennium. The truth will abide. You hear me? The truth is going to stand. It doesn't matter how many people turn their back on it. And I pray more people are turning to it than turning from it. And I do believe that. I believe God is reaching all over the world. And what he's reaching is for brand new people for new blood because sometimes people's blood gets a little old and it gets a little thick and it gets a little clogging and it's not able to do its job anymore because the arteries are all clogged up and they're finding themselves dying and falling off the vine and nothing left to do but rot you can stay young you can stay charged you can have your youth and the Holy Ghost renewed you can be in love with him just as much now as the night you got the Holy Ghost. Everybody said praise the Lord. We're, we're to be a preservative. What my, question, my answer to that little question is, that's the whole point Jesus was trying to make. That if the salt loses its saltness, he said then it's, it's, in other words, it ceases to be what it's designed to be. And in so doing, then it's no good for the job that it was appointed to. Why, whatever you call it and whatever it becomes, the point is it no longer has its saltiness. And we definitely want to maintain a saltiness. Thereby, we can maintain the truth. And that's what we're to do in preserving it you maintain it we want to keep it intact we don't want there to be one little bit of God's word that would drop to the ground we want to have the reverence we want to have the respect we want to have the appreciation and the thankfulness that he shared this truth with us who could deny the burden of Jesus Christ demonstrated in the flesh who could deny the burden of the apostles and the about 120 that went to an upper room and were baptized with the Holy Ghost and fire and burst out of that upper room speaking with other tongues as the Spirit of God gave them the utterance and faced the known world filled with all kinds of religious persuasions and told them to repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost for the promises unto you and to your children and to all them that are far off even as many as the Lord our God shall call with many other words that he exhorted testify trying to persuade them to save themselves from an unbelieving deceiving world and he did that because he had a burden for them people that don't want to preach that message witness that message have lost their burden you want to preserve the truth and in so doing you preserve yourself because truth will preserve you. Truth will keep you. So if you keep it, it's going to keep you. You get the Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost will keep you. You keep the Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost is going to keep you. You protect and you guard what God has given you. Hey, Naboth, they said, man, we're going to come and we're going to take your vineyard. He said, you're not taking my vineyard. And they said, well, we're going to kill you. He said, well, have at it. He said, but I will not give it up. 
I will not sell it. I'll buy the truth with faith and sell it not. Get this in your heart. Get this in your life. Fall in love with God and He he is truth. You fall in love with everything that's about Him. If you shrink back to tell people, if you become ashamed of this thing, if you become ashamed of Holy Ghost worship that you've got to take and put it in another room and keep it away and call it not seeker friendly, you've lost your burden. You've lost your vision. You're taking away the very thing that the lost people need and the church needs. We need God's spirit. We need a demonstration of it. And Paul said, I'm not going to know anything else but that. I'm determined. Got to get a hold of that in prayer, prayerful determination. As was brother said tonight, you've got to get that need met in your life in a service. Let him refresh you. Let him renew you. Let him refresh your burden. Let him renew your zeal and your determination and your dedication and realize the world is lost and dying and going to hell. That they're following the enemy and he's leading them down into the sides of the pit. He, hell is never satisfied. There's room for more and hell's enlarged their mouth and moved to meet people at their, at their coming. You hear me when I tell you there's a heaven that's on the move too and you're a part of that. You're a part of that. You're the church of the living God. You want to preserve the truth. You want to love the truth. You want it for your children. You want it for their children. You want this to be handed down from generations generation to generation and not let one little word be altered or changed and that does not make you a hater on the contrary it makes you a lover of truth the Bible even talked about lovers of good men men that would bear the burden of the message men and women that would bring I know you've been standing and you did it willingly but I'll let you sit go ahead but I like I like your enthusiasm no need for all of us to sweat. Everybody said hallelujah. Everybody said praise the Lord. You go around trying to save your own life. And you gather everything in this world to you and you get your mind on that and get distracted by that. There are people that can't wait to, they don't even want to go to church. They much less can't wait to get out of church so they can uh, go somewhere and sit down and watch something. Something that's just full of the world. Something that's just going to confuse your mind and interfere with your, your meditation and your connection with the Lord. You know, you've got to keep things at bay. You've got to hold things with a stiff arm. You've got to keep things in control here. You've got to tell yourself the highest priority of my life is to worship Him and to win souls, to be a part of a soul-winning operation. You want to have one place in the Scripture in uh, Colossians talked about the operation, faith in the operation of God. I like the way God does things. I like the way He displayed it. I like everything He did from A to Z, and He is the A and the Z. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He is the first and the last. He is the beginning and the ending. He is the I am that I am. And above it all, his name revealed is Jesus Christ. I like that I'm baptized in his name. And I want everybody to be baptized in his name. The only way they're going to get that done is for us to tell them. And us to teach them. And us to be an example. Jesus was an example. He said, John, I'm, time, I'm come here for you to baptize me. And John tried to back out of it and wishy-wash out of it and, and evade it and, and make points and all that kind of stuff. And Jesus stopped him dead in his tracks and, and basically said, shut up and do what I tell you. You know, that's just in 21st century vernacular. <laughs> and he said, you just tolerate what I, you just go ahead and submit to what I'm telling you. He said, I've got to be an example. I've got to show them how to be born again. Now you baptize me, and when I come up out of the water, you just keep your eyes peeled for what's going to take place. And when he come up straight out of the water, lo, the heavens were opened over him, and the Spirit descended upon him in the form of a dove, demonstrating to be born again of water and of the Spirit. i got to be an example. I've got to show them the pattern and the plan, even if it costs me and it will, my life. I must preserve. It's truth. I must bring it and I must preserve it. We have an obligation to hold this message strong. Some people care more about championships. Some people care more about portfolios. They don't ever want to admit it, but we find that there are people who have cooled off. We are finding that there are people who are backing up and letting down. 
and they're wavering in their encourage of Bible teaching and convictions. They're wavering. And they're become like a reed, knocking to and fro in the wind, not standing strong and tall. And Jesus made it plain, that's not what I'm raising up. That's not, if you come out to see that, if you come out to hear wishy-washy, if you come out to hear general preaching, if you come to hear something with no teeth to it, no bite to it, or let me say it this way, with no love behind it, they can call it love, but it's nothing but the compromising, syrupy nonsense of the spirit of the world. Of course the enemy wants to syrup it up. Of course the enemy wants to make it look all sugary and give it such a nice, sanitized uh, presentation, but it's got nothing in it. You can't, that, that won't hold up, Jesus said, when the storm comes, and the storm will come. Far worse than any storm this world has ever known, including the flood in Noah's time. I'm telling you, there's a storm coming where the elements are going to melt with a fervent heat, the Scripture said, and the heavens are going to be rolled together like a scroll. Let me tell you, you want to preserve this truth in your heart, and you want to preserve it because you have a burden to get it to the next person. Hell will be full of people who are going to be looking for preachers people that were called to be saints and they didn't tell them and they didn't stay in the church they didn't stay with the message they backed up and they let down and they became like everybody else didn't do Samson any good when he became like everybody else did it he had no strength he couldn't grab up the gates to the city anymore he couldn't slay the enemy heaps upon heaps anymore they had him they had him going in circles and blinded and they made sport and fun of him. It wasn't until he prayed, and in praying his prayer with a true and honest heart of repentance that God answered his prayer, and he wrought more victory in the last than he did in all the victories before. I'm trying to tell you, you want God in your life. You want his power in your life. You don't want it just in words. This is not just in word, but it's in power and demonstration of the Holy Ghost. You want to be true and faithful to the unchanging God by keeping his message unchanged. He gave us something and he doesn't want you wrapping it up in deceit and burying it in the earth where your God is your belly and you mind earthly things. You don't want worldly appetites. You do not want to be all immersed and buried and wrapped up and involved in what the world is doing. You don't want to let that get a hold of you, chasing after all the things that they pursue and chase after. You don't want to be like the nine. You want to be the one. You be the one. And somebody one time that gave a nice blessing, it was a friend to the church, and gave a blessing to the church, and I got a hold of the person by phone, and they said, what do you want? And I said, I just wanted to be the one. I wanted to come back and thank you. And I want you to understand, church family, we've got to thank our God for what he's done in our lives. And we must be under the burden and the load of doing what we're... Nobody twists our arm to come to church. We come because we have a burden to come to church. We have a burden to keep this truth going forward and to win new souls, to reap harvest, to bring people, to invite people, to teach Bible studies, to help with the Sunday school. And, and by that, just yourself being the principal and coming and being in the service as a worshiper, a true worshiper, worshiping him in spirit and in truth. You become the principal, and it will generate interest. Other people will get interested. They watch you day in and day out, week in and week out, and you keep living for God. You keep demonstrating your burden. You keep being a part of the truth, and your message hasn't changed from 30 or 40 or 50 years ago to right this second. You're still saying the same thing, the same chapter and verse, the same word of God, and there it is. You can put your finger on it. It's got subject matter to back it up. It's what Peter, James, and John, and Mary, the mother of the Christ, all taught and witnessed, and you're doing the same thing. It's a common faith and a common salvation, and you are earnestly contending for it by preserving it, by protecting it, by keeping it from decay and spoiling. You're not going to let that happen. You're going to preserve this truth. And you know what? Let me conclude. I know it's preaching a little long here, but hey, you know, we need preaching. And I'm not saying that just because I'm called to preach, <laughs> but we need preaching. We 
preaching. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 23. And the very God, not just any God, but the very God of peace sanctify you wholly, completely. You know, we want part of the word preserve means to have it complete and intact. We don't want to lose any part of the truth. It's too precious. And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul told them that he did not shun to declare unto them the whole counsel of God. If you preserve the whole truth, the whole truth is going to preserve you in that day to stand before the Lord and to give an account. You want to be preserved blameless. You didn't back up. You didn't let down. You didn't quit. You didn't throw in the towel. You didn't dilute it or water it down or change this and change that and change the other. But you strived to maintain you pressed toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God, which is in the church, in Christ Jesus. You did that, and you continue to do that. We are not striving against people. We are striving for people. We want, we want to live this every day. We want to let our light shine every day. We want to have that characteristic of the salt that will preserve every day. We want to pull people out of the fire. We want to save them from a devil's hell. We want them to have the happiness and the joy unspeakable that we have. We want them to be so glad that they finally got their eyes of their understanding open just like you're glad and that they have the truth. No, we're not condemning. Jesus said that's not the spirit we're of. We're not calling fire down from heaven. That's not the spirit we are of. That's not what manners. We have better manners than that. Don't point to some extreme person and say, you know, look at what how crude and harsh they are. That's not the church. That's not the body of Christ. And anybody can act out. Anybody can be lacking in training. Anybody can be not sharp enough in their burden. But that's why we're teaching. That's why we have the teaching that we have and the Sunday school and other things that we employ to teach and to train. Jesus set people down and it taught them in order and in companies and we do that all in an attempt that we can let our moderation be known because the Lord is coming. Let our balance be known. We don't want to go extreme right. We don't want to go extreme left because the devil is an extremist and he don't care whether it's right or left. He just wants to get you out of balance. If you preserve the truth, you'll be in balance. Yes, this truth will balance you. This good truth of the Scriptures. And everybody said Amen. There'll always be people that will point to some extreme situation and use that to justify why they're letting down, why they're backing up, why they're not preaching it or witnessing it anymore. And people will find that they will be, as the Scripture said, inexcusable. And just excuses make God angry. You know, God has, I feel personally that God gives me everything. And I want to thank Him for that. Uh, the Lord is my shepherd, and I don't want. He absolutely supplies every need in my life. Somebody said one time, one of my preachers said, uh, said uh, how are you going to do thus and so? How are you going to start a new work? How are you going to pay the bills? And so the young preacher told him what I said because he asked me the same question. And I said, I said, Jesus pays the bills. And so he answered this older preacher that way, and the preacher said, Jesus don't pay the bills. And I, so I answered the young preacher when he came back and told me, I said, well, I'm very sorry that your ears had to hear that and that an older man that you had some faith in would say that to you. I said, because I'm going to tell you something. I'm pushing close to 40 years of preaching, and if Jesus don't pay the bills, I have no idea who's been paying them all this time. Okay? I thank him. He takes care of everything. He doesn't miss a lick. And if he wants to put me through a test, then he puts me through a test. And I want to come through it preserving the truth. And thereby I will be preserved. I don't want to try to save my own life, my own self, in the wrong way, in the unscriptural way. I want to save myself through putting my life in his hands and trusting him. And everybody said amen. amen. That doesn't mean we're not diligent in business. In the king's business. We are, and we strive to be. 
We're striving to enter in on that straight and narrow and that gate that leads to eternal life. We're striving for that. We're not perfect. But you know what is perfect? The truth is perfect. And we're trying to keep it intact and complete. We don't want to change anything. The apostles taught it. They preached it. They got whipped and beaten for it. They went through all kinds of things that you and I have not been subjected to. And unfortunately, in our generation, I think the first little test, and they're like the little pig that goes, wee, 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 all the way home. One little, you know, kind of like Peter, but that was before he had the Holy Ghost. I'll die for you, Lord, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and the next thing you know, he's denying the Lord, you know. We don't, we want to be, he got the Holy Ghost and didn't do that anymore. We've got the Holy Ghost. So we don't have to bail out. We don't have to back up. We don't have to deny. We do not have to be ashamed. And in all we need to do is take this good truth and present it in balance, burdened and with love. And that's the way it was done in the example original. And that's there are going to be people that get in your face. There are going to be people that take a bad attitude. They were there. It's demonstrated in the book of Acts. And it's going, there were false teachers then. There will be false teachers now. Hear me when I tell you we're going to face things. But I want you to know that if you will give your life continually to him and He, you preserve his message, he will preserve you. Let us preserve the truth. Let us continue to preach repentance, water baptism, in the name of Jesus Christ and receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost and teaching how to stay saved in the church from Romans to Revelation and be what God wants us to be. The light and the salt. Let's lift our hearts with our hands in love and in burden. We want to win everybody. We know how to be tolerant. I expect nothing from a sinner. Just trying to get them here. Expect nothing from them. Just looking for, mine that good faith that's in their heart and get them to put it and invest it in the right thing. We don't dress the fish before we catch it. We get the inside clean first. That's what Jesus said. The rest will follow after. That is, if you're preserving that in your heart. We don't need to back up. We don't need to let down. Sometimes people say, well, you won't win anybody. Listen, it's never been about numbers. And it should never be about finance. It should never be about those natural worldly things. Come on. We're praising him. I love you, Jesus. And I bless you. Wisdom 
to let down. It's wisdom to preserve. That's what he's saying. We've got to preserve this great truth. Don't call it wisdom when you dilute it and you water it down and you back up and you compromise. That's not wisdom. That's foolish pride and trusting in the world and in yourself. You've got to admit it to yourself. We've got to preserve this truth. And wise people do that. Jesus determined, He that heareth my sayings and doeth them. That's the wise person. They're the people that dig deep. They're the people that build it right. They're the people that preserve it and keep it and keep it unchanged and unaltered. They're the wise ones. You want God to call you wise. I'm not interested in the world calling me wise. The denominations of this world to take me in and pat me on the back. Whoa, when that starts happening. You better preach this truth. You better witness this truth. You better love and preserve this truth because it's the only thing that's going to save people, whoever they are. And we've always tried to win people from every denomination and from every background, every country, and we'll con- the church will continue to do that. God's church will do that, and they'll win them with the truth, preaching the same thing that Peter, James, and John, and Paul preached. The same way the babies were born in the beginning, Acts chapter 2, that's the same way they'll be born on the last day before Jesus takes his church out of here. And everybody said amen. Amen. And you better remember when the church goes, the dead in Christ and the alive and remaining are caught up in the first resurrection, there will be no more salt. There will be no more light. There will be no more chance for salvation. All the more reason to let the burden of it, that time is short, the window is closing, and we've got to preserve it and bring it. There's got to be something there for people to come to as this draw near the end of this dispensation. And everybody said hallelujah. Well, give your God a big hand. Oh, no, I want you to give him two big hands full of praise as you lift your heart with your hands and love him. Thank you, Jesus, for the truth. Thank you, Jesus, for the message. Thank you, Jesus, for the blood of the Lamb and the hope of life eternal. We have no authority and no right to change the message. We have no right to water it down and to let it be altered in any way, shape, or form. We have no authority to do, to add to the book or take from the book. Oh, Lord God, our authority lies in preserving the truth. And I thank you, Jesus. I praise you, Jesus. I worship you. Give us a burden like Jesus. Give us a burden like the apostles. Give us a burden like the early church that has brought it all the way through to this second. Burden, oh God, to keep this message unchanged. Everybody said praise.